Welcome, 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 welcome. It's too early for the last welcome, but... It's almost noon. What do you huh. mean too early? I guess it is not too early. Welcome to another episode of Kicking Myself, a trading card pop culture podcast that is now becoming where we are going with this. Um, I wonder why that happened, Morgan. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, I see. Before we Wait. get started... What are we talking about now? Oh my gosh. Uh, let's not do that. Um, before we get started, I am going to uh, say thank you to uh, my friend Charles, who uh, I guess I guess thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you is a strong thank term. Thank you, and I guess thanks to Ross too, who I'm sitting in front of a TikTok playmat and this secret GP playmat. So I will say they're both cross stitched. Which is very nice. The really shocked themselves that they were that nice. Are disgusting. <laughs> they, they both look horrendously terrible. Yeah. But they also look amazing next to each other. And if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to the last episode. Um, or, or just uh, check out the Twitter. Yeah, yeah. We just posted on Twitter. Yep. Um, so, uh, busy week, busy weekend. Uh, also, busy weekend for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I was actually on a another podcast. Uh, you traitor! Uh, it was a much the better worst. podcast than ours. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know that that's subjective. It was a much better podcast than ours. Yeah, it's subjective. Uh, I was a guest on Thomas Island, which is uh, oh, that's why it's better because you got to talk as much about wrestling as you wanted. Not as much, but yeah. <laughs> um, would like to thank. Uh, it's going to be weird because uh, Ross is the other person on the podcast's name too oh <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to thank ross and tama for having me as a guest uh, i really appreciate it i appreciate the um plug for this podcast as well we got to talk about a lot of wrestling things and then um kind of went off the rails a little bit but this week in wrestling was also just insane we got to see the return after seven years of cm punk and then we got to see wwe shit the bed with itself which was just awful they produced an awful SummerSlam pay-per-view that uh, kind of like the Secret GP. Uh, they had no, uh, no, uh, their toilets were overflowing. The credit card machines were down across the venue. They were giving out free stuff because they couldn't sell anything. And uh, there was just a whole bu a bunch of mess. So it, it kind of, it's fitting that we did the Secret GP episode last week. And you're welcome for having you on this, that wrestling podcast that I was clearly a part of. You were not. Oh. So better Ross. Uh, subjective. There is no better Ross than me. Ross, None. How, Ross how was your weekend? Mm. So, I was part of Dice City Games' Awesome Con crew this weekend. For the most part, I was actually at the shop. But, on Sunday, I did a little bit um, vending at Awesome Con and then helped them pack up. And got to look around a bit. It was it was all right. I'm not really a con person, but it was like a giant flea market for nerds. It's kind of cool. That sounds awesome. I can get behind that. I heard uh, I heard you had an interesting or the booth had an interesting interaction with the uh, the booth across from you guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of odd. There was very little magic at Awesome Con, and the booth across from us was one of the few other booths that had magic cards. We were more, mostly focusing on Pokemon and like video games, but we also had some magic there. 
So However, if it's not a generic like magic con type thing, what type of a con is Awesome Con? I can, I can kind of explain that since I've, I've vended Awesome Con for Big Planet Comics for a number of years. So Awesome Con is an amalgamation of anime, gaming, retro video gaming, collectibles, uh, a little bit of wrestling, um, celebrities, pop culture, and comics. And it's a little bit of, it's a mix of everything. Yeah. And it, it's at the DC, uh, it's at the... the, the it was the... Yeah. It was a it was in DC. It was Washington Convention Center. It's the same. Uh, it's the same spot that Otakon is hosted at. It's a really fun convention. Um, it's just, but as as Ross said, depending on the, because I've, I've I've done it multiple years, depending on what is there, it is a giant flea market for nerds, which is great. You can find uh, stuff from retro video games and silly crates and great deals on games and board games and stuff or you can go in there and find like art or or, or, or sometimes they do museums and meet and greets with people and artist alleys and stuff it's, it's nice but if you're not into that sort of thing and you don't like to walk around the aisles especially during plague um it yeah. feels weird yeah it's, it's all right uh but i got to walk around a bit and it was kind of fun just looking at stuff lots of anime stuff uh, there was a wall with a risque pillow covers. That, oh, uh, Nicholas Cage body <laughs> I was surprised were allowed. Were like semi-naked anime girls Dude, and Nicholas Cage. Let, let me let me tell you very just quickly. That's every convention I've been to. New York Comic Con. Yeah. I've been to Otakon. I've been to Awesome Con. I've been to Magfest. I've been to anywhere you go. A convention is going to have those risque things yeah. or more. Yeah, I know. And it was just kind of amusing. Just and like all this bootleg stuff, it's great. <laughs> and you had a table that was not happy with you. Lord. Oh yeah, oh, yes. oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The table crossed oh, me, you guys. Was, yeah, so we, so let's get back on track. Mad at us, but at the previous convention, they bought a few duels from a guy that they had bought stuff from before, and he didn't really like check them out or anything. It was a little bit weird the story that they told me because. From what I understood, they literally didn't even take these out of the sleeve, which is bizarre because how do you even determine the condition of the duel without taking it out of the sleeve? But whatever. They bought duels and they end up being fake. <laughs> it's like they came over, they were like talking to us. Oh, we got these duels that we're planning on selling and... Uh, our owner basically could see it from across the table that they were fake as heck. <laughs> it was just... That's a great way to start off the weekend. Hi, our big plan for this weekend is to sell these duels. By the way, they're not worth anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was... Plastic! <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I don't want to be in that situation ever, I unfortunately ever, ever. have been in that situation. Ooh, care to elaborate? Uh, yeah, actually, during quarantine... Mm -hmm. I had gotten a couple pieces of mail. Um, one, unfortunately, it, it was from a friend of mine, and, and, and he didn't catch it either. And, and uh, it was a fake Mox Oval. Um, Ross remembers because Ross is rolling his eyes. Yeah. Um, also, someone randomly sent me a Dragon Lord Dromoka at the beginning of the pandemic that was just clearly fake. Like, the new Wizards of the Coast process is it has the foil stamp on it, and it's very hard to fake or do that. These people didn't even try with this fake card. They literally photocopied the card 
and sent. <laughs> there wasn't even a foil pattern on it. It was just like the, I was, I, I took it out and I'm like, there's not even a stamp on here. It's just a photocopy of a stamp. Like, dude, I messaged dude and dude was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I kind of just took it out of my binder. I'm like, I'm sending this back. I'm sending everything back, sending my stuff back. And he was like, okay. And he, he ended up sending me my stuff back and sent me something extra, which was really nice of him, but like very clearly fake. And I'm and he's like, well, can I get the, the card back? And I'm like, absolutely not. It's a fake card. <laughs> I'm destroying this. And uh, I did. So. Uh, How did you destroy it? Uh, it is actually in the back of my trade binder. As so an example. you are going to trade it then to somebody? No, no, no. I ripped it in half. Good. It is the... Is an example. I, I like to keep a couple of examples on tap of what a fake card is, so that people can be on the spot for them. The thing about bad fakes is that they don't really like teach you anything. No, they are just bad, and that's actually a big problem with Pokemon. Is that most of the fakes that you run across are just bad fakes, and so they don't like teach you anything about faking. No, uh... <laughs> or about. Like, what a fake card, or what distinguishes a fake card from a real card. Yeah. How pissed were they that uh, you guys... So, I wasn't actually there for that, but they were more disappointed than angry. Because, I mean, the worst thing was, if they had sold them to someone, and then they came back and were like, these are clearly fake, that's really bad on them. Well, the big thing was, the person that they bought them from... from <laughs> uh, they sent via PayPal friends and family, so they are just out of that money. And yeah, when someone offers you duels at such a good price that you don't even want to take them out of the sleeve to check if the yeah. condition, then you if it quacks, could definitely... If it, if, it <laughs> if it sounds like a duck um, and walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Um, just a, actually a tidbit of advice for anybody listening. Do not use Venmo or PayPal friends and family unless you are absolutely... Don't use Venmo, period. Don't use PayPal friends and family if you are, unless you are... Like, unless they're if, your yeah. friends or family. Yeah, um, yeah. unless you... like. I, if I'm doing business with Ross or if I'm doing business with like, the store or I'm doing business with Mark, I'm going to send friends, friends and family. But like, if you... It's like tracking a, a package for insurance, right? Like If you're buying something over... X amount of dollars, like if you want to make sure that it doesn't get lost in the system, you pay to insure it. You don't just like haphazardly. So an interesting thing that I've actually found out recently is that insuring collectible cards is a nightmare. largely worthless. So it's also a nightmare to do because you have to constantly update it. Uh, like you have to go to and update the sheets and it's, it's more hazard than it's worth. Also, I didn't learn anything about Flesh and Blood Rarities from you guys, so thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Flesh and Blood Rarities is... Stupid. Very odd and honestly mostly confusing. And they even cut out a rarity in the yeah, more super, recent super rare. sets. Yeah, so it's... So the total number of more rarities... Yeah. And the total number of rarities that exist are rare, super majestic, uh, legend, and fabled. Legendary or legend? Legendary. And I think that that was a very clean and clear way to describe that. But Morgan, I'm I'm offended, quite frankly. I thought we did a fantastic <laughs> job before describing that. Well, you that. didn't explain that So super rares after, uh, I think it's Crucible, were cut, right? I didn't know. <laughs> I, I was... <laughs> Me knowing very little about the game, 
did very little research. So what you're saying <laughs> is it was a U problem? No, it was a U problem. And it wasn't Crucible. It was, they were cut after Arcane Rising, which was the second set. So it goes Welcome to Wraith, Arcane Rising, then Crucible. No, not Crucible. You keep wanting to say Crucible. It is Crucible. No. That's the newest set is Crucible. No, that the newest set is Monarch. We're clearly the source for everybody or, to get their information about Flesh and Blood. It's, yeah. Monarch uh, is the newest set. Well, Crucible also doesn't have supers. But uh, I could have sworn... Maybe it's because it took so long for Crucible to get an unlimited run that it's considered like newer. Because... Uh, the newest unlimited is Crucible. Monarch came out a while ago, and Crucible is more recent for unlimited. All right. Well, uh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, I did want to thank everyone who is listening. We, by the time you hear this, we ha will have reached a couple of milestones in the uh, the platform, and we're going to keep growing and doing content bigger. And uh, we've got new equipment, and it's it's going to be fun. We've got stuff planned. Um, we're going to keep being true to this podcast, telling the stories, talking amongst ourselves, um, talking with you. So we appreciate you sticking with us and we appreciate you sharing the content with people. Um, Overwhelming is, right now is what I describe as the response we've been getting from. And, and the reason I'm umming so much is just because I, have, I don't have the words to really talk about how grateful I am to the community. I mean, I think it's so it's staggering to me just how there is we could sit down each week talk shoot the shit and it is something that people listen to and enjoy and give me constructive feedback and constructive uh, you know this made my day I, I i sat through work i'm really happy because i worked my nine to five and this just made me feel like i was being able to hang out with the boys or the you know the crew mm -hmm. um that is incredibly important to me that's the whole point we started the show and I'm not going to take any more time away from it because I know Mark's got a story today and it is important to me to get the content out to you guys. So, Mark! Well, before I get into the story I wanted to talk about, I also wanted to uh, thank the community for just being awesome for listening, awesome for reaching out. Uh, last week on uh, Medina's stream during the intermission of What is Stream Where, we were chatting with some of the rest of the community in there and having a fantastic time just being dumb i would say yeah no 100 percent. i wish ross could join us on a weeknight unfortunately ross's commitments are to his overlords <laughs> one one overlord one, one overlord, overlord. One overlord. <laughs> all right so i was reminded of a story from back in my judging past uh it has nothing to do with uh an event or you were a, a judge no, I wasn't a judge. <laughs> How many times judge? have I brought up the fact that I'm a judge? How many stories have I shared so far? So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, one of my other professions is I'm a classically trained singer. And when I was working as a level two judge in the Midwest region, uh, primarily based in Ohio, one of the things I'd frequently get the comment from a lot of my colleagues was, it's so easy to hear you in these loud convention halls. Uh, how is it that we can hear you in announcements or anything, but we can't hear everybody else? And I had to explain, well, I have several years of stamina that I've developed from training to be a singer. On diaphragm. Diaphragmatic action is something that's fairly easy for me. Uh, manipulation of facial resonance is something that I'm particularly adept with. 
what? <laughs> uh, but one of the things that was Sounds frequently asked... What? Vaguely dirty. Is it vaguely dirty? <laughs> Manipulation of facial resonance. Ooh. Here's uh, the here's here's cool thing. Even though they couldn't hear Mark... Could hear Mark. Could hear Mark. They could smell their... They could smell the room. Oh my gosh. Sometimes the smell is more overpowering than my voice. That's, That's kind of what it was when I like walked into Awesome Con. It just smelled like sweat. And shame. <laughs> Actually, one year... When, sorry to cut you off, but I forgot. I almost forgot about this. One year when I went into Awesome Con, I, uh, I put nose filters in. Ooh, nice. And that got me through the entire convention. And uh, that was... Li that was like life-saving, honestly. <laughs> um, I think the one thing that we should take away from this, this, this time of plague is hygiene is important. That's something that you're going to have to convince the greater populace of gamers to accept. Uh, you may be infringing upon their livelihood by that statement. Fine. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll make this blanket statement then. If anybody can prove to me that you carry a mini deodorant around with you on a, at an event... I will give you what? What? <laughs> I, I, I'm hearing a, an offer at this point as a blanket Morgan, statement to anybody. What are you giving to anybody mostly, with a mini deodorizer? It seems that Morgan got lost in his own brain there. He's for still <laughs> staring at the same spot when he was in mid-sentence. He hasn't moved his face or his eyes. <laughs> I think my brain's stuck. <laughs> <laughs> you, what he's doing is he's realizing he was about to offer anybody who can just provide a deodorizer and realize that's a bad idea. Because not only could people just walk up to him with a mini deodorizer and get whatever he was about to offer, they didn't have to use it. They just had to have a present. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll offer them a pack of Dunkaroos. Because we're eating this horrible Dunkaroos cereal that I have on the table. I'll offer them a pack of Dunkaroos. Not sponsored by Dunkaroos. It's not sponsored by Dunkaroos. But if you wanted to sponsor us, I'd be okay with it. As long as it's not Raid Shadow Legends. And if you, Dunkaroos, want to sponsor this podcast, you can reach out to us at kickingmyselfmtg at gmail.com. Or wait, follow wait. us at this... kicking underscore myself on, on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Would we be sponsored by literally the snack? I think we'd be, sponsored, be, amazing. By, I think we'd be because... sponsored by General Mills. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. I don't want General Mills. I don't want Dunkaroos the snack. I want Dunkaroos cereal. The... I want Kicking Myself, a card gaming podcast brought to you by Dunkaroos cereal. Look, if we know that we're like... It... There's a professional wrestler Specifically named Dan Housen. The cereal. There's a professional wrestler named Dan Housen. His gimmick is really great. It's if Conan O'Brien was possessed by a demon. Um, it, it, it's actually hysterical. What he actually has, and if we go into uh, any grocery store, he has his own brand of coffee. So you know you made it if you're an independent professional wrestler who is getting plugged and uh, has their own brand of coffee. So if we had our own brand of something, <laughs> I'd be fine. Kicking myself deodor branded Dunkaroos. No, this time with much more salt. Kicking myself branded deodorant. <laughs> I think I broke Ross. That, that, was, that was good. <laughs> Ross is also one of those people who like the Star Wars movie with the entire planet made of salt. Oh, God. That movie. <laughs> oh, I hated that movie. All right, let's get back to Mark's story. <laughs> so, I'm glad that we had the interjection because there's not much more left to it. Um, it was actually brought to my attention to, that a couple of judges were interested in me training other judges uh, to learn how to speak loudly. So what you're telling me is you could have had a cult. I could have had a cult. Um, I can't claim that I have never had a cult. 
But what I can say is a couple of judges uh, asked me if I'd be willing to present at judge conferences on this particular topic. If you've never been to a judge conference, you can inquire to the judges running the event if there's any spot for you to present. And usually the type of presentations are going to be uh, how to deck check in a timely manner, how to address complicated situations, let's go over layering, things like that. What many people had walked up to me and asked was, can you give a presentation on how to speak loudly without getting tired? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can do that. I, I, I can give a presentation on how to speak loudly. Okay, okay. Tired. I, I want to hear, what, what, is the, the, what are the main talking points of talking for a long period of time in a loud place without being tired for someone who is not a uh, Ross or a Morgan? Oh, I was going to say B. Morgan. For not a Ross or a Morgan? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I wait. Don't yeah. talk loud no, that he, much. he's just an asshole. <laughs> hey, hey, to be fair, seriously, I get tired very easily, so I cannot <laughs> present that. And to be fair, serially, Dunker Roots. I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I kept pushing it off and pushing it off because one of the things that I was doing at the time for judging was escaping my other life at the time, which was being a voice teacher at a university. And I'm like, you know what? I really don't want to be spending my time with judges essentially giving voice lessons, which is what I do for my normal job. So while it would have been awesome to have shared this skill that I possess and be able to give people an idea about what to do to train your voice or how to manipulate your resonance to be able to be heard more easily in loud places, it unfortunately never happened. Oh well. Oh well. Regrets. Tiny violin played by Mr. Krabs. <laughs> yes. And I broke Morgan again. No, it's... The story you you had wanted to tell. You really want me to tell this now? I do want you to tell this now because I think the, the, that story was short enough where you have the ability to talk about something that you've wanted to talk about for a while. All right, fine. And we talk, me and Ross always have banter. And I know it's weird when I wasn't on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, you I, were on the podcast. I thought it was perfectly fine. And except when you were paying attention to not us and just thinking about Pokemon. And drinking Bailey's out of a shoe. Yeah, out of a shoe. Gives it, it's how I get into character. Um, <laughs> I, I just want you to tell the story. I think it is your time. Just like there is a it's time, my time. to talk about certain things. It is your time. All right, fine. So this is the story about how I almost cost Brian Brondu in a GP. That's all I wanted. <laughs> that. That soundbite alone is important to me. And now you have everyone's undivided attention. Except for me. Except for uh, Ross, who doesn't care. So. Who are we talking about? Uh, BBD. Oh, I know that. But who else? Is it you? Me. Oh. Okay. So. so Sorry, one... where am I? <laughs> You're in your house. Oh. We're in your house today. What are you doing? <laughs> we are talking about Dunkaroos. Hashtag oh. not sponsored. Fair enough. Fair anyway, enough. tell me how you stopped BBD. Almost, almost. You were signing over your entire magic collection to me. Oh, that makes sense. That's why this pen is in my hand. Now talk about your damn story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I believe this was at Grand Prix, New Jersey, 
2014. I think it was a November Grand Prix. This was a 4,000-player Legacy Grand Prix and one of the last ones I ever judged uh, before I ended up just yeah. stopping. For this event, I think I was just a... I don't think I was a team lead for anything. I don't think I was on side events for anything of the weekend. I think it was assigned to the grand for the main event for the, the entire weekend. And the thing that typically happens with me is I tend to end up being a table judge for the on-camera events. So lots of feature matches and lots of top eights. For this event, I was asked if I wanted to be one of the two table judges for the top eight, and I said, absolutely. I always have a blast being able to see what high-level Magic players do in certain situations, okay. and uh, it, it's always great to just be able to sit by and be available. Yeah. So before I get into what this particular match was like, I want to go into a brief tangent about the concept of missed triggers. Do either of you know what a missed trigger is? Yeah, it's something I do very often. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Ross, you know what a missed trigger is. Yes. All right. For easiest way to just explain what a missed trigger is for everybody. If you're playing a game and something is supposed to happen and you forget to do it, that's a missed trigger. So like at the beginning of your upkeep, do this. If you go through, if you untap and then draw a card, you have a missed trigger. For most events, missed triggers can be problematic, but you can just kind of like skirt past them. If it's anything that's REL enforcement level of any kind, you can get a game loss for that. Uh, if okay. it's at a high enough level and you have a table judge that's present, if you see a missed trigger, you can do a rewind with a head judge to kind of put the table in the correct state, especially if it's something that both players missed. Now, for about three, four years or so, and this was essentially the entirety of my judging career, so I don't know if it continued going. The policy on how to handle a missed trigger changed on almost a twice-per-year basis. Yeah, I think it's been pretty steady for the past, like, couple years. But, I think so, too. Like, it used to be, like, all over the place. So... Used to even like blame the opponent for not pointing it out to the the person who missed the trigger, and they would also get like a game statement. Yeah. So the way that it was for a while was well, if you had a missed trigger, and it it only negatively impacted you, then well, that's just too bad, so sad. We're just going to move on and not go back. If it was something that it looked like it was going to be obvious that it would have benefited you from missing it, then you can call a judge and there might be a game rules violation, there might be a, uh, a, a game loss depending on the particular type of event. Um, if it's, depending on the time period, just like what Ross said, it was your responsibility to make sure that your opponent had all of their triggers, even if it was something that helped them, which was incredibly frustrating during a time when eggs was still illegal back. <laughs> so that your opponent, who may have just picked up the deck for that day, cast Second Sunrise, gets all of their triggers, and you're just kind of staring there waiting to take a turn. And as they're doing things, they're like about to, about to do something, you look at them and like, you forgot to draw a card, and you have another draw card. What type of basic land do you want to select with your uh, of whatever the other two mana cantrip artifact was? And you'd essentially, you would be obligated to have to tell your opponent how to play their deck. I'm just saying, if you're not getting a hot dog when <laughs> your opponent's <laughs> playing eggs, you're not doing it right. Perhaps, but again, most of my perspective on witnessing a lot of this was from the perspective of being a table judge. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
they couldn't leave because it was a high stick situation. Um, there were some amazing people who would, if a combo was going off, they'd get a piece of paper, write F6, put it on <laughs> underneath the camera, and then leave for a bit. <laughs> so, needless to say, the rules on how to handle missed triggers has changed multiple, multiple times to the extent that it seemed like every major event that I judged at we would get a refresher on how the missed triggers enforcement was going to be handled for that event. Yeah. Coming back to Grand Prix, New Jersey, Brian Brondewin was playing his uh, Stoneblade deck. That was his signature thing to play at the time. He loved playing Stoneforge Mystic, and he loved playing anything you could do with that. He also was playing against an opponent who had... Oh, gosh, I forget what he was playing. I want to say he was playing, like, White Weenie or something, but it's been so long... But anyway, one of the things that Brian Brondewin would play out of the sideboard was Chalice of the Void. And a, I believe this oh, was geez. a period of the a period of time where it was possible for you to miss a trigger and not be penalized for it, but I'm not 100% sure. And I know that you're not allowed to intentionally miss it. I am... No, I'm misremembering that. His opponent was playing the Chalice of the Void. And his opponent had played Chalice of the Void on one to shut off things like Top or Ponder or things like that. So okay. opponent had played Chalice on like turn two or something like that. And I'm watching their match. And four or five turns later, Brian Braun Duin plays a uh, since he's the Binding Top. And it resolves. And I lean in and I point out the Chalice of the Void, which I was not supposed to do. Mm. And at that time, there was a large group of people who were watching from the railings, Brian yeah, Brown yeah, doing yeah. playing, and they immediately ran over to the head judge and said, the judge just made a big mistake over this table. And Brian Brown doing didn't let it phase him. He was just kind of had this like malaise look of, okay, fine, whatever. Now my opponent remembers he's got chalice on the, the table. I had a quick conversation with the head judge. We agreed to just continue from that point. But now, in a game where Brian Brondoon was taking advantage of the fact that his opponent was missing the fact that he had Chalice out, now Brian Brondoon, who had been sculpting the previous couple of turns about the fact that he could play some of these cards, may have had some cards in his hand that were locked out. I believe Brian Brondoon ended up losing that game. Okay. He won the match. Oh, nice. He ended up winning the whole Grand Prix. At the time, the largest Grand Prix of all time for Legacy. So I'm... I'm confused. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I don't play high-level tournament magic like this, and uh, I don't really know. Isn't it your job to enforce the rules, even if it's, and again, Miss Triggers are complicated. Um, at this time, it at was on this the, particular it was, point, it was on the player. It was on know. the player who was managing their triggers to make sure they resolved, and it was not the judge's responsibility to enforce that. Now, even though this was one of the last events that I ended up judging, uh, and it had no, nothing to do with like, how I judged in this particular event, I judged many events after this, like three or four more Grand Prix. It had changed within the previous three or four months yeah. while I was starting going to school, pursuing another graduate degree. It had just been changed to, you're allowed to miss it. If you miss it, you miss it. Yeah, so but, this is going to sound really, really ignorant and really, really, like, base-level, first-level magic player. Yeah, so, like, every episode with you, yes. Yeah. Yes, Chalice the Void is a trigger. It's static. No, it's a trigger it only, when you It cast... occurs when an event happens. It has the word when on it, which means that it's a triggered ability. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and not that I don't 
like BBD or honestly, I don't really I care. I think BBD is a great guy. I don't really care. Um, not that I don't care. I just don't. I, I don't, it's I don't, not that he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. I don't have an opinion. BBD, Morgan is calling you out right now. I have, I've got your back. I have, I, no, mean, I have no opinion. We already said that any pro previously that wasn't uh, Shahar or Shanhar was a complete shit. You said that. No, I know. No, actually, it was one of our uh, guests. You did? No, no. You, you asked them if who their favorite one was, and then you followed up with the fact that they could. I'm still going oh, on the okay, camp of I I'm a Christian Calcano and Seth Manfield Stan, and that's it, because I love them both. I'm basic, and I love that list. Also, I love Jarvis. <laughs> said. Said me. I love Jarvis. I think Jarvis is such an... I have a great Jarvis U story, actually, uh, while we're on the topic. I don't. I'm just saying that if you're playing with Jarvis, it's a lot less fun than when you're hanging out with Jarvis. I love spending time with Jarvis. Jarvis is one of my favorite people to spend time with. Jarvis just doesn't know how to read cards sometimes. And we were playing a cube draft, and it was my cube. And I had drafted Patagia Viper. And Patagia Viper makes two snakes that fly. And Jarvis did not read the card. Wait, wait, hold on. Are you saying that he did not read the card and realized that it had a trigger? Did he miss your trigger? Did he miss your trigger? No, he did not miss the trigger. But he assumed that the tokens did not fly. When I attacked him for lethal to him... Did not fly? Flow. He assumed that they did fly. He assumed they did not fly. Because they don't fly. He assumed Patagia Viper did not fly. Oh, gotcha, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That, so he, he assumed, assumed that because Viper, the t- tokens do not fly, that Patagia, that Patagia Viper, Viper did not, not fly. fly. I'm gotcha. more convinced that he just assumed a snake didn't fly. Correct. <laughs> so Got when him. I attacked him for lethal, and he blocked with his flying blockers oh, to no. the two oh. snakes. Well, technically he should have been able to be allowed to reassign them because blocking all happens simultaneously. Yeah, that's accurate. Sure. <laughs> Again, loose. This is not like this is not pro level. But I was like, but it was Jarvis. Yeah, and, and Jarvis is like, all right, so I, I kill you on the backswing, backswing, right? And I'm like, no, Jarvis, I win. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, I get in for the, I get in for you're at one. I get in for protective viper attacks for two, right? It's two one. Yeah, it's a two yeah. one. Fly. I get in, I get in for two. He's like, how? I'm like, this card has flying, Jarvis. And he's like, what? And just and starts staring at the card, and like visibly puts his hands up, and I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna go shuffle up for my for my next game. Um, I, I hope you're enjoying my cube. Thank you. And Jarvis is just like sitting there with his hands in his his head his head in his hands, and I'm just like, he's not he can't comprehend, and I'm like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I really. There are times that I really wish that this was a video podcast, so as you can see Morgan's mannerisms. Maybe, maybe one day. Um, but uh, Jarvis was a good sport about it. Um, he did give me some advice afterwards, which is on how to block creatures without flying. <laughs> gave me some advice on how to how to not be an idiot. <laughs> but um, never took it. Anyway, yeah, I was about to say never took yeah. it. Um, but what I was circling back to is Magic is such a, it can be at times such a complicated game. It can be. That, you know. Um, well, that's one of the reasons why these large events have so many judges. We talked before about them. You really want to have like one judge for every 12 people there just to make sure that 
when complicated things happen, they can be resolved. What do you miss about being a judge? <sighs> what do I miss about being a judge? I miss the community of judges. I miss the... I miss seeing amazing play happen. I miss... I miss the travel, honestly. But I don't miss 12 hours standing on my feet in a concrete convention center. Seems about right. Yeah. And so, while I enjoy the travel, I don't like always the travel time of 10 hours driving through cornfields to Did be able you... to go to an event where people might be yelling at me because they don't know how to play their deck properly. Did you enjoy basically not being paid? Uh, at the, I mean, like, if you're living in Cleveland, Ohio, the rate of pay for it was not terrible, wasn't especially like if you were a level judge. Boxes, wasn't well, it? so the way that at the time when I was judging, yeah. keep in mind, the way the judges are compensated have changed since then. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I was a level two judge, which meant that every single day that I played or that I judged, I got two compensation units. And those compensation units were typically along the lines of you get X amount of dollars for travel. This yeah. goes towards your hotel. You also get X amount of dollars. So in the case of a lot of SCG events, it was something close to like $75 per unit and a box of cards mm. and a per diem for food. Okay. So for per day, I could easily make $150 in cash plus a hotel stipend plus a hotel slash travel stipend, by the way, so that you can use that to be able to pay for gas, plus food for the day, plus two boxes of cards. And if you're there for three days, okay. if you're selling all of those boxes of cards, oh, also, if you're at a Grand Prix, you get the same things, plus judge foils. So I've nice. mentioned before, I think I mentioned briefly on a podcast, that it's not unlikely, it's not unheard of if you're at a level two level or higher to come away with roughly $1,000 or so. It was closer to like eight to 800 to $1,000. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, especially if you're not, if you're willing to not sell the, grand, the, uh, the judge foils right then and there and hold off on that for a bit. Fair enough. Yeah. Nice. Anyway. Anyway. Is there uh, anything else that we were... We wanted to talk about today? Um, not particularly. I still wanted to give Morgan props for joining that podcast this past week. Um, you mentioned before that there's a uh, another event that may be coming out of that for you. Uh, or is that something we can't talk about? I don't know. All right, then we won't talk about it. All I will say is I'm miserable uh, in building these decks that you oh, made us bring. Yes. Oh, oh, that, yeah. yeah. We yeah. can touch on that you, for a little bit, you, so. You, 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 you. <laughs> I have, I am miserable, and. Uh, really? I, yeah, I'm miserable. I, I have the most open-ended one, and like, I had to do some interesting searches, and I came up with a decent idea. For those who didn't listen to last week's bonus episode, which I entitled Random Commander, go back and listen to it. Uh, it'll set the pretext for what's going on here. We pulled random commanders from a box of not particularly powerful commanders. Box. I had them in a box, and I pulled them out for us to pull from. Technically, I'm correct, which is the best kind of correct. Indeed. Anyway, Indeed. continue. So... Morgan ended up pulling uh, Vega. Actually, no, he ended up pulling uh, Blim and then switched over to Vega. Uh, he's actually onto the concept right now that he's going to be building both. I pulled Furia and then I moved over to Svela, which I'm also going to be building both as well. Charles, who you listened to on last week's podcast, uh, pulled a partner commander of Slurk, All Ingesting, and Singer the Dark Baron. And Ross got Varagoth. 
Yes. Uh, the Blood Sky? Something. Something? I don't know. The Bloody Bloody. Yeah. So, for me, I've been... Blood uh, Sky Sire. There we go. My idea was to do a Mono Black Devotion deck. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So always fetch out the things with heavy devotion in the cost to lay out your board so that whatever you draw is good. Yeah, and to make it a little bit lower power level, because I've seen Mono Black Devotion decks and they can get kind of crazy, mm -hmm. I'm going to be avoiding the better reanimate effects. Okay. I'm not going to like, make it so that there are none in the deck, just the better ones. Like I'm not going to put reanimate, not going to put... Like necromancy, not like yeah. I, think not this, anime I thought dead. this format was supposed to be like we were supposed to be building like like very low to the ground power. Low, low, low power level type thing. We're looking at two to three. Um, so I do appreciate the fact, Ross, that you're not targeting those high end reanimator power spells. Yeah, and I'm I'm just trying to like because Varagoth is like just such a non specific card. He's literally just a tutor. Every single time he hits or not he hits, he attacks. So it's just an odd card to build around. And so I was like, what can I do with this mono black thing? Okay, I'll just make it so that I just do it, do mono black. I'm also probably not going to put Cabal Coffers in there because that card's also stupid. Or Nykthos? Or Nykthos. Those are both stupid cards. Or Lick of the Dead? Uh, that is not a power level two <laughs> card that is an insane card <laughs> um, but i was going to put one combo in that i was not planning on tutoring for but if i naturally draw it i'll do it and probably lose because of it is it leyline helm no it's going to be liliana uh professor onyx and, and uh, chain of, chain of smog. <laughs> or chain of, of smog yeah the insta-kill, everybody. Insta-kill, however, you have to discard, discard your, your entire hand. hand for it to work. <laughs> Morgan looks not happy. Meanwhile, I have come up with no ideas except for that it's going to be some partial of Bird Tribal. <laughs> I like Bird Tribal. And meanwhile, for me, Wait. I've looked at... Oh, go ahead. Can you give us an impression of your Bird Tribal? Uh, airborne Aid. Uh, that's not an impression. Uh, sorry, uh, Cliff, whatever. The... That, that's not an... Oh. Give me your bird tribal impression. They're dogs sleeping. I don't want to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely going to have to do this right now. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, the... <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. It works well Every enough. Time. <laughs> uh, and... I went with Svella as mine, and the, keep in mind that the reason why Morgan and I moved off of our commanders, I moved off of my original pull of Furia because we all had pulled black commanders at that point, we wanted a little bit of variety, and then Morgan moved off of Blim because he has no willpower. Morgan is a cheater. He is a cheater. And I hope that when we eventually stream this that we have as many people spamming hashtag cheater in the uh the stream that we end up well, finding a way to boot there's no soul rings in the <laughs> there will be no soul rings but still hashtag cheat uh so svella to me i am i i could have this be a deck where at the end of every opponent's turn i just go ahead and activate it and i just fill my deck with all these powerful spells i don't even think that's what i want to do i think what i want to do is try to create board presence with mine and just have as many cards that make tokens so at the end of ross's turn i put out like 
a rampaging Baloths and I then crack a couple of fetch lands, get a couple of things like that. That's where I'm looking, to create some kind of board presence and still win through attacking. Okay, seems sweet. Siege Gang Commander, Bestial Menace, things that are like, one spell makes multiple creatures. I think that's a power two or three way to make spell work. I hope you're playing Second Harvest. I don't know what that does off the top of my head. It doubles all your tokens. Oh, no, no, that's too powerful. Well, no, it, it's, a, it's a sorcery that does it, not an enchantment. Oh. So you can... Oh. Yeah. What set it, is that from? That is from either Eldritch Moon or Shadows. I can't oh, remember which I never one. played any of those, so I clearly don't... Oh, you know what? I actually may have pulled that card randomly. It was, it was in Commander 2019. I actually have a copy of that. Okay. So well, I, that's how that project is going. <laughs> that's how that project's going. Um, keep an eye out on uh, the on our Twitter to see if any of us are going to be doing any streams of building this deck or solidifying any of these. Other than that, I think that we, uh, I think that that's a good place to be able to wrap this episode up. And I'm going to steal this from Morgan to throw it back to him. But Morgan, can you give me your Bird Tribal theme song uh, podcast episode Gmail Bird Tribal theme song? There's a bird outside the window.